0: the american council of the blind presents acb reports a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision i'm mike duke this month learn about a social network which is accessed exclusively via the telephone plus lynn cooper has fall and winter fashion news for ladies But ACB Reports for September 2011 begins with an important announcement from the U.S. Department of Justice, as presented by Susan Crawford during the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind in Reno, Nevada.
1: At the end of May, Wells Fargo entered into a settlement agreement with the United States to resolve many complaints that were filed under Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The settlement is a comprehensive settlement. In it, Wells Fargo has committed to providing full accessibility and compliance with the ADA, and that includes physical accessibility, which also means no protruding objects for persons who are blind. It includes a requirement that they make reasonable modifications in their policies, procedures, and practices to make sure that they're providing equal treatment and equal access to all services, and also that they will provide auxiliary aids and services where necessary to ensure effective communications for persons with disabilities. This includes providing full website access, providing financial documents, whether it is banking, credit card, mortgage, in alternate formats, including their application materials and their statements. It includes providing raise line checks or other materials that would be requested by individuals who are blind with no surcharge. The settlement agreement also includes a monetary relief fund of $16 million. This is the largest and most comprehensive settlement agreement ever entered into under the extraordinary leadership of our Deputy Chief, Janine Warden and Jennifer McDaniel and Josh Mendelson. And it also includes a million-dollar contribution to charity. In negotiations, Wells Fargo secured the right that they get to choose a charity, and they are choosing to make the donation to charities that serve veterans with disabilities from the Iraq and Afghanistan war. If you believe that you may have experienced discrimination by Wells Fargo or Wachovia, we ask you to contact the Department of Justice, and to file an initial claim, you can contact the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. We have special phone numbers and email. The email address is WF at USDOJ.gov. That's WF, as in Wells Fargo, claims at USDOJ.gov. The toll free number to call is 866 708. One, two, seven, three. That's 866-708-1273. Six, six, the settlement agreement also includes full access, of course, for individuals who are deaf and hard of hearing, individuals who are blind and low vision, people who have speech disabilities, uh, people who have physical disabilities. If you feel you've been discriminated against by Wells Fargo or Wacovia, please contact us. We must receive all claims by January 29, 2012.
0: Once again, to contact the Department of Justice regarding the Wells Fargo and Wacovia Bank Settlement, send an email to wfclaims at usdoj.gov or phone 866-708-1273. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. As this edition of ACB Reports went into production in mid-August, a massive heat wave was still being felt throughout most of the country. So ACB Reports is pleased to bring you cool thoughts of fall and winter, courtesy of Lynn Cooper and the Mirrors Project. This month, Lynn shares fashion news for ladies.
2: Welcome to the Mears Project Fashion Report. We're giving our listeners, as the magazines do, a couple months' heads up to consider what has been shown on the runway and what is going to be shown in the stores. We're just leveling the playing field, shall we say. I'm going to look at 15 real top new trends and looks for women. Number one is capes. These are formal and casual cloth capes, either to the knee or just past the elbow, and ponchos. And those of us who were in uh, high school in the 70s remember ponchos. This is also a really good way to transition into the really cold weather if it hits where you're living. Wear it over pants, wear these over skirts, wear these over jeans. With a sweater underneath or even a turtleneck, it should be able to take you into chilly weather. As I said, a good place to find these is in resale shops, Goodwill, Salvation Army. You want to take your human mirror with you, make sure there's no stains or no torn spots or what have you that can't be repaired. Second big look and trend is brights, and these are bright colors. So many seasons, fall and winter is represented by somber grays and muted colors and blacks. Well, this fall we are seeing brights, and they are gem tones, gems meaning the colors of jewels. We're seeing bright blue being very popular, bright red, deep colors, not primary colors, remember, deep colors, deep green even, like emerald, reds as in rubies, blues as in topaz. It's really, really quite startling. Some are putting out the belief that it is a very bad economy, so these colors are more cheerful, which makes sense to me. The third trend we're seeing a lot of is black, lace. And this is a really big look. We're seeing lace and shoes and boots and handbags and hats and scarves and blouses and skirts and dresses. Wear as little or as much as you wish. Make sure that you have your human mirror there to help guide you through this because too much is always too much. A really good, inexpensive way to incorporate this trend is to add a lace Maybe a lace clutch or something. You need not spend a lot of money to incorporate these looks in a fun, inexpensive way. Then another look we're seeing for fall, once again some say it's reflective of this bad, depressing economy, are prints. And these are really kind of wild. The sort of prints that we usually see for spring and summer. We're seeing florals in fall, which in my memory doesn't happen a lot. We're seeing geometric patterns. And then also we're seeing a lot of polka dots. And that is a very regimented dot pattern, usually black and white. A white dot on a dark background can be dark navy as well, or a color. That's a really big look. Now, we have to be careful when we wear these kind of bold prints because we don't want to come off as a a circus performer. We want to make sure that they are done in, in small quantities, a, a blouse, a top, a shell, you know, maybe, a, once again, a scarf. But uh, bright prints are really big. Then we're seeing hand suits. Now, that's not a shock to anybody, but we're seeing the return of the wide leg trouser. Wide legs at the natural waist, not low, low cut on, on the pelvic bone, or high under the breastbone, but we are seeing at the normal waist and we are seeing wide leg pants. And the jacket on these pantsuits is short. It's at the hip or a little shorter. Then we're also seeing color blocked tops and sweaters. And what we mean by color blocked is imagine on your sweater you have big geometric triangle, rectangle, square, lines, big chunks of different colors. And this is what we call color-blocked. For the most part, they're in geometric patterns. Then we're also seeing a lot of leather and faux leather, F-A-U-X, faux leather, as some call pleather, which is a man-made leather imitation. Shiny, we're seeing these, of course, in uh, accessories. But even more than that, we're seeing them in blouses, jackets, dresses, skirts. Once again, if you want to incorporate this look, do so in a versatile piece and in a versatile color. You know, Always best to consider cost per wear. Yes, that bright red, shiny leather skirt might be fun, but how many times will you be able to wear it appropriately? Trend number eight is the midi, M-I-D-I length, A-line skirts imagine the letter a a capital letter a the top of it is your waist and then it comes out as the letter a does and flares at the bottom a bit and midi refers to what we were doing in oh gee was i in junior high school i'm dating myself but midi skirts were very very big at the time mini of course as we all know way above the knee maxi to the ankle, and midi is about five inches below the knee, not quite mid-calf. That's a very, very big look right now, which is kind of nice, actually. I think it's uh, easily wearable. You can do that with booties, boots, or chunky heels. We want to make sure that the shoes we wear under that longer skirt has enough substance. Then another big look we're seeing, number nine, is the 60s And going back to the 60s, where it becomes a nostalgic journey back. The hair with these looks is very sleek. We're seeing sloped shoulders, bracelet length, and that refers to three-quarter length sleeves on jackets, dresses, blouses, and that is just between your elbow and your wrist. Referred to as bracelet length because it allowed women years ago to wear their beautiful bracelets and to uh, have them showcased. Things are boxier. We found that in the 60s. That's when the real, 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 real short mini skirts were in. It's a fun look. It's often very flattering, and it can cover uh, many sins, but we don't want to wear it as short as a lot of those looks were shown in the 60s originally. Then we're seeing fur. That is in faux fur as well as real. We're seeing it in coats accessories, once again, every kind of accessory has been done up in fur, ideally faux fur, collars, hats, bags, and shoes. Then our 11th look, the trend that's really, really big on the runway, was long, they're calling them great coats, G-R-E-A-T, great coats. Those can be knitted, blanket coats, which look like they've been made out of a blanket, long tailored coats, long wrapped coats, single-breasted and double-breasted. And I think the reason that these coats are big is simply to cover the midi skirt. Then another trend is that very romantic female movie star, 1940s era. Big shoulders and nipped waist. Actually, exaggerated shoulders. Kind of tricky to do. Nipped waist, sometimes exaggerated hips. I don't know one woman alive who's up for that look. But um, that is what is being shown in the very curly hair. For the most part, hair was sleeked back, either in a ponytail, a bun, off the face, aside from when these 1940s looks were shown. Look number 13, which is a great thing to get at uh, secondhand shops or clothing swaps, is an alpine sweater. And alpine, of course, referring to alpine woods, Traditionally, this kind of sweater with a print, whether it's a a geometric print knitted into the sweater or an animal, these came out of Finland, Norway, Sweden, Germany, and they are often the accent piece with a skirt, with leggings, with slacks. An alpine sweater is an inexpensive way to incorporate this look. And our 14th trend is snakeskin. One can find everything from hats to coats to dresses to shoes to handbags, you name it, in snakeskin. Now, once again, it is being shown in real snakeskin. But it is also being shown a lot in faux snakeskin, which is not only kinder for the snake, but it is also much easier to maintain and easier to afford. So that's a look that remains really constant. And in line with that, The animal prints are big. Most of our female listeners probably have a few pieces in their closet already uh, that have animal prints. You name it, the animal print is big. Real good way to incorporate that in a skirt, in a scarf, in a blouse. And um, also really nice, because the cost per wear will have to be very low, because it's been shown from year to year. That's one of those print basics, in my estimation. Then hair, as I mentioned earlier, because the 60s look is very big. Not a lot of hair flowing down, uh, messy, or wild. Pretty much everything is pulled back off the face. Ponytails, if the hair is short, it's sleeked down or sleeked back. Just sleek being the key word. Shoes, what we're seeing, unfortunately, for those of us tall gals, or even those gals who aren't crazy anymore about walking on high heels, I'm sorry to say the heels are high, 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 and something we've been seeing for years is the concealed platform where there's an inch hidden in the shoe on the platform on the sole to give one uh, additional height. We're seeing a lot of booties, and those are ankle or just above the ankle high boots, and those often have open toes. We're seeing platform loafers, being very, very big with these midi skirts, and imagine like a penny loafer, but now you've got it on a thick high heel. We're seeing ankle booty wedges, where the heel is actually a wedgie, then we're seeing stacked heel boots, pointy ankle boots, flat knee highs, which means that the boot would be up to the knee, but it's flat, which are really comfortable to walk in. And flat ankle boots, which is kind of nice. There's an alternative to the high heels. And then for dressy, we're seeing sling back pumps. And the sling back is just an open heel with the strap around the ankle. And pointy flats. Once again, these are not necessarily the uh, most comfortable to wear, but they're right off the runway. And finally, the jewel tone metals that we're seeing most of our gold. And handbags are structured and boxy. They're not the big, smushy, huge hobo bags. They're very, for the most part, smaller, structured, and not terribly large and boxy to be worn on a chain over the shoulder or else right in the elbow. Hose is nude or black if you're wearing a real chunky knit garment. Remember, no suntan, ladies. And not a lot of jewelry, Mike. I think it is because the clothing is so busy. There's just so much going on in the clothing. The clothes speak for themselves. So that, ladies, wraps up the trends for fall 2011-2012. And let me leave you with the quote that was said by Edith Wharton years ago, which guides the Mirrors Project. There are two ways to spread light, to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. Thanks for
0: listening visit Lynn at our website, lynncooper.us. The term social network is usually associated with internet sites such as Facebook and Twitter. But there is a social network for people who are blind which is accessed exclusively over the telephone. Peggy Fain is one of the founders of the Conversation Station. What prompted the creation of the Conversation Station?
3: We became interested in the concept of talking to people over a telephone conferencing system. We also noted the frenzy that a lot of our blind friends had over telephones in general and whatever they could access by a telephone. We came up with the idea of the conversation station, whereby you could call up whenever you wanted to talk to other blind people, and. Whether you have insomnia or whether you are a daytimer, you could call up other blind people and talk to them whenever you wanted. We thought people would want to do that. Obviously, they were trying to do it with all the voicemail systems that were out there and everyone signing up for the biggest long distance plan they could get. That's where the conversation station concept came from.
0: You do not need a computer to take part in this.
3: You call a phone line, which basically is what I would refer to as a telephone social network. You must have long-distance capability on a standard landline phone or a cell phone. Or if you use Skype or whatever, you call up the number. And when you get there, there are all sorts of different conferences and activities. Uh, we have a voicemail system. You can listen to podcasts that we upload to our service, and you don't have to have a computer to do it. You just dial it up, and you are involved in an ever-growing social network over the telephone.
0: Which is a neat concept for a lot of people who don't have a computer. What types of things go into podcasts for this service? What
3: we try to do is put ourselves in the position of what would I do if I had a computer? What do I wish I could access that because I don't, I can't? We have some of the Canadian-described movies. We have some NPR things that we are allowed to podcast. Believe it or not, we have Coast to Coast AM because there are people who work who requested to have that on there. They can't hear it at night on their radios because they're sleeping, so they call in during the day to listen to Coast to Coast. We try to put some technology things for people to become interested in computers or maybe they're beginning computer users. We do some of the blind cool tech podcasts that we have permission to do. Uh, We have a Facebook tutorial up there right now, and uh, we carry some of the things like tech chat that Sarah Talk does, We also play a lot of old-time radio. We're playing the audio of some old TV programs. I've got some old classic sports up there, boxing matches, baseball games. We are always open to requests.
0: How many people can this support on the phone at one time?
3: So far, we have never had anyone complain about not being able to get into our service because it's busy.
0: When I call the conversation station, what happens first?
3: First, you'll hear a message that tells you if you are under 18, you're not supposed to be on the line, and they give you a bunch of rules, basically phone etiquette. It's a company-generated greeting, and then it will give you a menu. It'll say for live rooms, press 1. For message boards, press 2. For voicemail, press 3, and on like that. We tell everyone when they first come on the best option to choose is one because then you can talk to a live person. If you hit one followed by pound, that places you into our welcome room, and we try to keep someone in there moderating that as often as we can, except into the wee hours of the morning. Sometimes we don't have anyone. You can talk to a warm person there. They'll introduce people to you and pull you into the social network.
0: The service then is available 24-7? Yes. How much time out of your day do you spend managing this?
3: A lot. I would say 16 hours, 18 hours, and you're constantly uh, doing things and uploading things, and I just stay busy all the time.
0: And all of the work that you do and the work that your support team does is pretty much volunteer. You don't really get paid to do this, or at least not a lot not a
3: lot. We get a little bit of money and a lot of excitement and reward because everybody really seems to like what we're doing. It's an interesting concept because we've had a lot of voicemail systems in the past where you could call up and leave a voicemail message and then somebody could respond to it. But here we have it all in one place. We have people who are computer literate and have computers too that are willing to help people who aren't. Sometimes we actually have shoppers that you can make an appointment with that will go online and will help you shop for something or look for something. We even have two or three conferences that people run. We have one that I think of right off the top of my head, the Thumb Drive Express Conference. People share what they have on their thumb drives for the BARD site and that way the people know what they can get as far as their digital talking book machines.
0: I would go on and say, hey, I just downloaded uh, this book by Louis Lemour and that book you by Clive Kessler. You would thumb
3: drive out, you would put it in the player, and you would play the synopses of the books that are on your thumb drive for the rest of the people so they can decide if that's the one they might want to order. Then we also have a conference called the Bard Briefing, where someone who has a computer goes through and reads all of the new entries each Friday on the BARD site. And everyone who doesn't have a computer then can hear what's going on and what's new and what's being recorded
0: digitally. We've mentioned the social network aspect of this and it has indeed become somewhat social. Tell us about the meeting that uh, just ended.
3: When you talk to Voices get to feel like you know the people. I mean, they're like your extended family. And it occurs to you that you'd like to meet each other face to face. And so uh, we have now had two reunions. They're not anything formal. We just had one in St. Louis. And there were 18 of us, I believe, that showed up this time. And we just get together and have food, and we talk. We just sort of hung out and had a good time.
0: The conversation station has become sort of a support network in addition to a social network for some people. Talk about that.
3: We have some groups that meet together. We have had in the past uh, an incontinence group. We've had an RP group. We actually have a conference that meets twice weekly called the Braille Jail. The Braille Jail is what a lot of people referred to their state institutions as people who attended residential schools for the blind can come to this conference and swap stories and she usually has a theme like maybe you talk about health care there at the school or you talk about recreation or field trips or whatever she comes up with for themes we also have a group of people who volunteer their time called the encouragers and they're just some people that go around and listen very carefully in the rooms, and when they see That there is someone in need maybe they're going through a struggle we've had several people who've lost their guide dogs we've had people who've lost loved ones or had surgeries then we've also had some good things people have managed to get a job that they didn't expect to be able to get and these encouragers do exactly that they encourage they send out cards they sent out a helping hand to a young man who had to move for a job, and they sent him a few things to get him started. They just asked for donations, and I have an account, and they come to me so that we have the uh, credibility and safe situation for the money. People donate for the encouragers, not a lot, but, you know, a little bit here and there, and it's just amazing what they do. We have an amazing support system on our line. It's just like one big family.
0: Have you uh, encountered people who are relatively newly blind?
3: Yes, we have, and we hope to have a lot more because, you know, they really seem to be encouraged just to be able to talk to someone. And we have some other conferences occasionally, like cooking, and there's one that a guy does called The Blind Side of Living, they can hear that blind people can do things. It's just a different way of doing things, that it can still happen for them. It's just like having a great supportive family who all understand what you're going through, which a lot of our families don't. But with this line, we have a huge family of people who are ready. And another really interesting thing about it is, it doesn't matter where you come from, if you're blind, you're welcomed.
0: How does one participate in the conversation station? Dial
3: one 224 7222 That's 231-224-7222. That is the number to get into the conversation station.
0: Does it time out if you don't press a button over a certain amount of time?
3: This line does not so far. At some point, they may change that, but right now, no, it does not.
0: And I suppose that people can even call it internationally if they want to.
3: We do have a few. We have a lady from France that calls in. Uh, We have a gentleman from Sweden that calls in. And we have a man from somewhere in China. And we have quite a few Canadians that call in.
0: To participate in the conversation station, phone 231-224-7222.